Welcome. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you enjoyed your meal. And once again, thank you for joining us. And now I'd ask you to also join me in welcoming our television and webcast viewer audience. My name is Danny Asaf, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Canadian, as the president of the Canadian Club of Toronto for this coming season. And again, welcome to you all. The Canadian Club is proud of its rich tradition of providing a forum for leaders in all spheres of society to share their ideas with you. Led by a volunteer board of directors, we are dedicated to providing an open and welcoming platform for insightful and diverse perspectives on issues of the day that impact our lives. Through our programs and activities, including our youth and young leaders programs, diversity, partnerships, media, and social opportunities, we offer you access to dynamic political, business, and public figures from both here and abroad. And before I formally introduce today's guest speaker, I would like to take the opportunity to briefly tell you about a couple of our upcoming events. On November 19th, jointly with Club Canadien de Toronto, we will welcome Henri-Paul Rousseau, Vice Chairman Power Corporation of Canada and Power Financial Corporation to our podium to address the question, is there value in financial advice? And on November 23rd, yes, I know, hopefully he's going to eliminate that question for us. <laughs> on November 23rd, we're also proud to host the Honorable Dalton McGuinty, Ontario's 24th Premier, for an intimate evening of cocktails and conversation with CTV's Canada AM co-host, Marcy Ian, as he discusses his life in politics and leadership lessons learned in a special advanced launch of his new book, Making a Difference. You can order tickets and review the club's full list of upcoming events at www.canadianclub.org. And you can also join the conversation via, of course, Twitter. And please follow us at CDNCLUBTO or by simply using that hashtag. I would also like to take the opportunity to express a special thanks to today's sponsors ENY, represented by Eric Rawlinson, and Accenture, represented by Janet Kretevsky. Eric and Janet, thank you for your generous support. Uh, greatly appreciated in helping us put this event on today. Now, the world, is, the world of work is undergoing an obvious and significant transformation. Changes are evident at decision-making tables across the public and private sector, fortunately. And gender equality has even arrived on Parliament Hill as reflected in our new competitive, in our new federal cabinet. Sorry. Now, we urgently, urgently need this equity to completely permeate and transform our business world for us to remain competitive in this new global marketplace. It's an issue of participation, an issue of perspective, and an issue of productivity. An issue of participation because it is simply fair and right that everyone in this country who can contribute is allowed to, including in our economy. It's an issue of perspective because we more and more need new perspectives as we approach new global markets, new global businesses, and new technologies in how to keep Canada 
at the forefront of all of these key areas. And it's a matter of productivity to ensuring that 50% of our population can contribute in the most meaningful ways to the growth of our economy, or else we will all be poorer. Fortunately, we have some stellar female leadership in this country to guide us forward on these issues. And today's guest speaker is an absolute prime example of that. Kirsten Stewart, Vice President Media at Twitter North America and book author, is a subject matter expert. She joined at Twitter Canada in April 2013 as its first employee. Prior to that, she served as the Executive Vice President of CBC English Services. She joined CBC first in 2006, and she was widely credited with enhancing its English language programming and bolstering its leadership position in Canadian broadcasting. Before joining the CBC, she, she also served as Senior Vice President of Programming at Alliance Atlantis. She was also the Senior Vice President of Programming at Hallmark Entertainment, where she oversaw the programming of 17 international broadcast channels. In 2010, she was named Canadian Woman in Communications Woman of the Year. She's also been recognized by the Women's Executive Network as one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women and was previously named one of Canada's top 40 under 40. I'm also thrilled today to have with us Alex Johnston, the Executive Director of Catalyst Canada, whose mission is to expand opportunities for women and business. Alex, fortunately, will be here to help us navigate through our dis interesting discussions today. Audience members, we also want you to join in the conversation by filling out this question card, which you'll find on your tables. And our staff will be coming around to ensure that your, your questions get uh, put forward to our guests. And now, on that note, Kirsten and Alex, the Canadian Club podium is yours. Thank you, thank guys. You, thank you. Enjoy. Thanks. Hello. Hi. Hello, everybody. You were both in New York this week. We didn't see each other. Yes. Um, you came back passing late last night. Uh, passing in the airport. Yeah. Um, I am so excited to be here today, uh, and I want to jump right in. But before I do, I just want to tell people. I want to tell people what my experience with this book was. Um, I got a copy over the summer. And like most people in this room, information comes at us fast and furious. We get a lot of it, and we've got to digest it. And I find myself skimming all the time. And what I loved is I was on holiday with my family in Maine, and I found myself on a beach in Maine reading every word. And I really fell into the story. And there were two things that struck me. One, it was very relatable. And it's not that your path is everyone's path. Your path is not my path. And, and uh and all of the choices are the same. But the way you articulated choices and the way you articulated your story, I found very relatable. And the second thing is, it was very positive. And there's a huge need to have these kinds of conversations. There's a big conversation happening out there about um, often a perception about what women aren't. This was really about what women are. And that, to me, was a big takeaway. And I think Phil's 
a really important void in the robust conversation we're having around women. Um, so I'm delighted to talk about your book today. Thank you. The first question I want to ask you is, why did you write it? It's interesting, and like you said just now, I think you know we hear so much about the challenges, and we know that it's taking an awful long time to move that needle when it comes to you know diverse representation anywhere in business, on boards, uh, in government. Uh, you know things t- are taking a very long time, and in that slow movement and uh, in some of the frustration that we're all feeling, I think sometimes we lose track of what we are accomplishing mm-hmm. and the opportunities that sit right in front of us because I think there's lots of them. And I think what I wanted to do was use my own example. As you say, my story is not everybody's story. And yet at the same time, what's been interesting in writing the book and hearing some feedback afterwards is so many people tell me their stories, which are very similar. Um, But my path is my own, and I encourage everybody to take theirs. But I think it's kind of illustrative of something that's happening in the world right now, which means there is opportunity, and there's opportunity for bosses, leaders, who look different than they used to. Uh, and that's a great thing, and we're seeing it, you know, in so many ways. We're seeing it in the you know, generational shifts and how millennials have started to come in, and Generation Z after them, and kind of demand a different kind of work-life experience. Uh, we've seen it in technology and how technology has really kind of transferred power into the hands of the people. Like when you think about the opportunities we have today to influence businesses, not just from the inside but from the outside through our devices and our opportunities to have a voice that we didn't have before. I just see that we have this, you know, all these things are creating this wonderful confluence of opportunities that I think this is the moment. Like, this is the moment where we can move that needle from moving so slowly to really pushing the, you know, pushing the pedal to the metal. I think we actually have a chance here to, to make major change. And businesses who understand this are the ones who are making the change and they're having success because of it. And I think that's a great sign that this is the way to go. Who are you speaking to in writing the book? Uh, everyone who kind of has ever felt lost in this in this kind of big crazy world where you kind of think, you know, why why you know why don't I see more of, of me out there? Why don't I hear more of my voice? Uh, and I think uh, you know I come from a place where I didn't necessarily have the best connections. My family was new to Canada, um, so I couldn't draw on that. I couldn't draw on a on a illustrious education, which you know so many of us are luckily you know, able to give our kids today. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of those opportunities, and so I feel like the story that I have is similar to the story that so many people have, where I started from the bottom, <laughs> literally, and it's like, how do I get there? And I was always being asked, how do how do you do it? And there is no one formula. I think mm-hmm. that's the the major piece of the, of the book is the, we we actually find our own paths, but you need to draw on the strengths. And I think it's a it's a it's a call to action to look inward and see what your strengths are, and not to act like someone else to try to be that next uh, piece in your career. Not to you know, there, there's a lot of discussion out there right now, and I think you know you and I are of, of a similar age, and I think we all went through a time when 32. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. <laughs> I love, I love, by the way, in the yeah. introduction when they always refer to me as a top 40 under 40. Yeah, yeah. That was well in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, there's, you know, we were told as we were trying to make our way through our careers, act like a man. You know, if you want to be at the table, and I think even, you know, stories like Lean In today are telling us to act a certain way, which I think are, you know, a bit missing the point. I actually believe that there's a, that today's world calls for a different kind of 
business right. calls for a different kind of leadership, and that calls you know for a different kind of person in that in that. And I think that is an opportunity. So I want to pick up on that, and I was going to pick up on it in a bit. But at one point in the book, um, you talk about starting at the CBC, and you have a large meeting, and you start to feel like there's kind of a, a culture difference between you and, and the dominant culture, and you start to adapt. And in the first few weeks, you tone your clothing down, and you um, start to behave a bit differently. And then a young woman approaches you in the hall one day mm-hmm. and reinforces how refreshing your style is. And I love two things about that. One, that you uh, tackled a big issue very quickly, so you didn't belabor the point. It wasn't three, three chapters, but you got at it. It wasn't just saying be authentic. You were giving a very specific example. Um, can you just talk about building your own brand and your own style and owning it and feeling comfortable in your own skin. Well, and I think that's I think that's the main point, right? It is about feeling comfortable. I think you can only build confidence by feeling authentic, like being yourself. And I know authentic is a word that gets used an awful lot lately, so much so that you don't know how authentic it is anymore. Um, but I think, you know, that sense of yourself, I think you have to be confident. The, the one thing, you know, and I... Like so many, and I don't think this is 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 just particular to women. I think men go through this too. I think anybody at, in through their life feels, why am I here? What if they find out I'm here? You know, they have that whole kind of imposter syndrome type of of, of complex at, at certain times. And I think in being and understanding that you are where you are because you're meant to be there, because somebody, even if in that moment you're not believing in yourself, somebody believes in you, then. You should you should trust that person. You should trust who put you there. You should trust the fact that you've earned it. And I think sometimes you know the the sense of of, of imposter syndrome or that kind of sense of, of lack of confidence comes from because you've been putting on another personality. If you are putting on another personality to do your job or to feel like you need to do that to get ahead or to fit in, you can't be your full self. You can't draw on all the skills that you naturally have and and that that are the aptitude that you can really perform at your at your maximum capacity. So I think, you know, trying to fit in there's obviously lots of lots of occasions where you need to you need to be a part of the group and part of the team. Absolutely, a team teamwork is incredibly important. I talk a lot about teamwork in the book, but individual expression of your strengths and your skills and your style, like that's all incredibly important too, because you need to feel that comfortability and that confidence in order to take on the big job. Because there's enough challenges out there, you need to be able to live it yourself. You, in the book, I think at the time when you were writing it, you had roughly 50-some-odd people reporting to you all over the place, and you're not in one place. You talk about mentoring and the importance of mentoring. Can you just speak about your experience on the receiving end and your experiencing your experience uh, being a mentor, especially with a diverse group of employees who are scattered all over North America? I think, you know, the, the wonderful thing about work today and probably the, the best thing that, the, you know, the generations behind us that have brought in terms of the millennials and Generation Z is this constant learning. Like you're not you're not you're not working if you're not learning. Like ultimately, you need to adapt. To, there's so many changes going on today. There's so much. Our businesses, our lives move so quickly, and the trends that come at you are you know mm-hmm. fast and disposable and but incredibly impactful. So we need to always be we, we need to always be um, learning. And so mentorship, I think, has changed in a way that, that used to be ascribed again you know not too not too long ago when you would kind of find a mentor that would bring you through. And I've been lucky enough to have fantastic role models, uh, female and male. Um, Ismay Benny, I talk about in the book, who actually gave me my first job, uh, was a formidable woman leader uh, who you know was breaking real ground in a different way than I had to break ground 
random people behind me will do the same. And so I think it is great to have that single mentorship, but today we learn everywhere. And I think I learn from the people I work with, who work for me, who I, who I experience across the table. Like I think that, that sense of, of um, mentorship is drawing on those things that you know you need, filling in those gaps. And that's what I think mentorship is today. That's what I, I learn just as much from the person sitting beside me as I do from my bosses, as I do from you know pe- pe- people across the table or across, across a video conference. It's, it's today's world is just so full of great experiences. You should be open to all of them. So one question to pick up on that authenticity matters. How do you, as you're evolving, learn and grow, but also be true to who you are, distinguish between good advice and, and not so good advice? It is. It's about your gut, isn't it? Like ultimately, it's about your, um, you know, your, your, let your conscience be your guide. But I think you know, because we are bombarded with so many choices today and so many opportunities uh, and in lots of ways, we've been told to, you know, think about a career path as a sequential, as a sequential um, kind of journey, where you would always be getting the next title, or getting the next salary range, or getting the next. I think what we've learned today is it's actually, it's that flexibility, it's that opportunity to grab what, what connects with you, in a way that people didn't when they when they were so dedicated to the path. And when you're dedicated to the path and you can't see beyond it, I think sometimes you you, mm-hmm. lose, you miss out on opportunities that you could have, you know, otherwise taken advantage of. I know for myself, I've gone from being the head of a 5,000-person corporation to literally myself in a cell phone and a, and a rented office in space in Regis, you know, figuring, <laughs> and I don't know how to work the, you know, where's my IT department? I don't have one. Um, so I think, you know, today's world and, and constantly learning is an, is an important is an important. Um, it, you know that that's what we need to learn today is is you know, being being open to all the opportunities and seeing where your path is and being true to yourself. Yeah. You know, it's the only guide that you have is your own personal set of values. And what I loved about going to Twitter was that they were really explicit about their values because they literally have nine values that they have printed on the walls. And you can identify with one. You can identify with all of them. Do not steal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's not one of them. But <laughs> show up to work on time. This is the new. This is the new media world. Um, but uh, it's it's all about like de- defending the right of free speech, yeah. and you know, like there's there's a number of things there that you 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 find that you know it's we work enough as it is uh, yeah. through our lives that sometimes. And you can't always follow your passion because we're not always lucky enough to have that job materialize in front of you that that is the perfect job that fits everything that you've ever wanted to be or do. But you can find connectivity in where you're working by shared values. Yeah. And so that also, but you got to know yourself too. You got to know what's important to yourself to know where you're going is going to match that. So I think that 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 knowledge inside is incredibly important. And then figure out what matches that so that you can actually live that full career. Well, it's funny because when we're doing research tracking MBA grads, Canadian women, um, disproportionately compared to their global counterparts, say values really, really matter. So they're making decisions, and we see the patterns in terms of where they build their career after an MBA um, on the basis of shared values mm-hmm. with, with the organization. You talk a little bit in the book about some of your stumbles or mistakes. Can you maybe talk about learning through some of the you know, tough experiences you've had? Yeah, I think, you know, again, this is all a journey, right? And everyone has their own stories. And I think, I don't think you've finished a day if you haven't somehow, you know, made a mistake, 
forgotten to do something, didn't do everything as well as you possibly thought you could have. Like I think you know we're we're constantly living through this kind of you know swimming through a sea of our own you know mistakes and failures. But I think the one thing I learned that I really took with me when I was uh, in that first job working at Hallmark in, in in the U.S. was there is a sensibility in that working culture that um, failure is something to learn from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we all have our list of failures. And like I said, I think you've experienced little, you know, versions of that every day. But or big. if you fail, yeah, yeah, if you fail, like there's something. There's something at the end of the day when you go to bed and you go, geez, I wish I had done that better. Or, geez, I forgot to do this. Or, you know, there's always something that you can that you can add to that list. But when I was in, you know, working in this, in this culture in the States, you know, because they move so quickly, there is that sense that, Failure is not necessarily fatal, mm-hmm. and it's actually something to be learned from. And the one thing that I've learned as a leader now is how important it is to allow your team the comfort in knowing that they can fail too, that when we fail, we fail together. And I think that's the best gift as a leader you can give your team because I think we've all been left hanging to dry sometimes, and I think we've all not wanted to then venture into something different and new because we feel like we've been burned. Uh, but you know, our country, our businesses, you know, we are built on kind of pioneering spirit and constantly moving forward and innovating. And in particular today, that's so important to tap into. So that sense of, of, of trust and in knowing that failure isn't the end, but it's something to learn from. And if we fail, we fail together. I think that's, you know, that, that to me, you, you turn it around and it becomes a learning experience. What did it feel like? It's one thing for you to be a public figure, and you spoke at our um, one of our Catalyst events a year and a bit ago, and you were great um, and very interesting for the audience. But there's a vulnerability in writing a book, and it's very different from yeah. doing a job and going out there in a you know specific setting and and you know executing a speaking engagement. What did it feel like to get into your story and then? Tell it to the public. Well, it's it, it is kind of weird. Honest <laughs> answer. Weird. And this whole process is a bit weird too. Yeah. Like as I said to someone the other day, I'm a bit sick and tired of seeing my face. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know, you have a job to do, and you have a message that you hope gets out. And so I think you kind of again, one of the messages in the book is to get over yourself sometimes, because I think sometimes you know we can we can stand in our own right. way. So I had to get over myself to write the book because you know first of all it's like why would anybody care about my story why would and, but enough people were telling me that yeah. they would that and smart people that I had to trust that there was something in this and I just could tell whenever I told those stories at those events there were so many people afterwards who would come up to me and say my story too or tell me a bit more or and I just thought it was a message because it's a positive one I just thought it was something that you know, when we were writing it for the last year and a half, because there's a team of people that were helping me on this, uh, it was, you know, it was not, it, it was not necessarily the sunniest of times, particularly in this country. Right. And but you could see rays of hope, and I think that was the the opportunity to do that. And so you, I did have to put myself aside because I'm not used to sitting on stages. I'm not used to being in front of a camera. Right. I'm behind. So um, I had to get over myself and do it, and just realize that the message was an important message, and that hopefully, if it helps people. The one thing that happened was in the time when you were reading it and that kind of pre-release um, in the preview copies, there was a woman who had uh, uh, tweeted out in that time that she was moving from a national newspaper to a national 
well, Women's Magazine. I didn't really know her, but it got retweeted into my feed. And if you don't know, I'm very much onto Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I encourage everybody to, to do the same. Um, and because she noted, I, I actually favorited it. I actually gave it that time a star, and that would be a heart. Um, and I thought, you know, good, good for her. She's made this change. I didn't really know her. But she was a friend of a friend, and she wrote me the next day and said, hey, hope you don't mind. I got your email. I was reading your book when this opportunity came up to move from one job to another. And though it's scary and though I wasn't sure, I decided to go for it. And I thought, okay, this is better than any critic, any, like, this is amazing. And I thought, you know, if you can just, if these stories help somebody, then that's, then that's, you know, that's, 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 that's the best gift back to me. Like that's a that was a really nice uh, moment to hear that. So, and I get approached by a lot of people with stories afterwards who tell me, you know, I went through this too. I, I think it's you know we are we're all human beings. We all have very similar stories. And so, you know, telling mine was my own challenge, but I think it's nice to hear that it connects with others. Well, and in addition to the story, which is interesting, and your career path is interesting, what are the two or three things that you want to leave people with in reading this? Um, I think that that opportunity is there. I think we do, we are at this really unique and opportunistic time where between, you know, the way that businesses have to run today and the way that the world has to run today, you know, there is a certain openness and you see elements of change already happening and you feel generations pushing for that change. And I think we're just at this, you know, apex moment now where we can take advantage of that change. And so when it comes to you know, what a leader looks like and what a leader needs to be, I think it's quite different than it was in the past. And it draws on skills that I would say a lot of us have had that weren't necessarily valued that long ago when it comes to the ability to, you know, communication is key. Uh, the ability to listen is incredibly important. Now, there's so much data out there in the world. There's so much that people are telling us what they want and what they need in business today that if you don't tap into that, you're leaving you know, huge value on the table. So listening skills, communication skills, collaboration. Nobody can take all that information and synthesize it into, into one uh, cohesive strategy from a corner office anymore. You need to build the best teams possible. Well, that gives opportunities to so many people to, ta- to step up. And so it's not necessarily about leading from a corner office anymore. Even leaders don't do mm-hmm. that. But it's also about stepping up in your own job and leading from where you are. Because you can be the leader of a department, an industry, your project. And I just think that there's so many ways to express ourselves now and, and to really kind of exercise our muscles and our skills that, uh, that it, it, now is the time. And so that's, it's, it's, it's an attempt at that kind of call for action. Just take advantage of this moment. Because the more of us who step up, the more of us, you know, who look different than they than the old leaders used to look like, will be will be there. Well, and you don't take it on directly, but you really take on stereotyping. And we're doing research around the world, looking at great people leaders. And in five of the six countries, we went into and spoke to thousands of employees, empowering your people to do their job well, holding them accountable for things they can control, courage to stumble, learn, and grow, um, humility to stumble, learn, and grow, and courage to. Uh, often take positions that are not in your own interest, but the interest of others. And that was consistent across gender, across age barriers, across cultural differences. Um, but the perception issues and the stereotype issues, I think, are still uh, fairly prevalent. And when we do research looking at men and women, um, they often perceive core characteristics in leaders as characteristics they see in men. And the characteristics you're, the characteristics you're talking about are 
probably very relevant now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there, and they used to be soft skills, right? right like right. that used to secondary, be. Yeah. There were secondary, <laughs> nice soft skills. They were the kind of skills that if you were a very smart young woman coming into a business, they'd say you'd be great in HR, right? Or you'd be great <laughs> in public relations, or you'd or be managing great the in, interns. And nothing. And my father was the head of human relations for a very big company, so I've got no, I've got no knock on on those kind of jobs. But it's it's you know we were kind of funneled in certain areas and in certain ways that I think we're starting to see break free now. Yeah. And if a guy can lead a company in a hoodie, certainly a girl can do it in stiletto heels, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and I love those. <laughs> she's got studs going on. I think I she's, she's very, I she's rocking it. Yeah, I bought them a couple months ago and flipped my leg to cross my legs and I hurt myself very badly. <laughs> Required quite an adjustment. Fashion um, hurts, fashion hurts legs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very comfortable though. Uh, I've got a bunch of questions and I was going to touch on this anyways. I want to hear the best advice you've received in your career and I want you to provide advice to younger women in the room who are moving through the pipeline and us aspiring to be in leadership roles. Um, you know, and I think it's, a, it's interesting. The best advice I think I ever got was, um, you know, it's, it's show up. It's do your job. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily something women haven't heard before. And in fact, sometimes I think we're a bit too... Um, we're, we're, we we hold ourselves too much to the lessons we learned in school, which were kind of put your head down and do your work and and you will be rewarded. But there is something great about a team that works well together and is all doing their best work. And and in that moment, that's when you have the chance to shine. So mm -hmm. I find that uh, instead of worrying about what the next job was, doing what I did as well as I could led to opportunities in the next life, which I didn't know was going to be what was going to come up next. So I think that was the best advice I ever got. And I think particularly for young women today, like I have young women in my household. I've got a 19-year-old who's off to university, and when she was, that's, she's in her second year now, and the question of what is she going to take, um, what, you know, what is she going to be when she grows up, you know, it's what jobs are going to be out there in four years when she's finished her education. I didn't feel like there was a, a, a kind of book that I could give her to prescribe what success was going to look like. So I just said, take what interests you, take what you're good at, and, and but take it in the broadest sense possible. So I think, you know, being open to opportunities today as, you know, in, in today's world where opportunities are blossoming by the minute, uh, know what you are more than know what you want to be. Because what you want to be is going to change a million times, and that's been true, I think, for, for, for decades. But it happens so much more quickly now with all of the changes that happen in business today. And I think we take advantage of our best opportunities by not being locked into some kind of path. And so that's, I think that would be the advice I give to, to, to young women today is do your best work and be open to the opportunities ahead of you. Don't be afraid. There's, there's a statistic that uh, women will only apply for the next job if they feel they meet 100% of the criteria on that list, and men will apply if they reach 40% of the criteria on that list. Jobs are changing and morphing every minute, so I don't think anybody knows 100% of what that next job is going to be. If you already could do 100% of the next job, you should have already been doing that next job. We're all learning in these jobs, and I think that's, you know, take that leap that when you do it, you've got the skill set, you've got the knowledge, you've got the backing of a great team around you. You will figure it out in that next job, and, and I think we hold ourselves back a little too much. We take our foot off the pedal when we really should be pushing down. And when women disclose that, very often they'll say they got over it with a great boss, a boss who said, you're ready, I know you're ready. And yeah. so to me, the key message is less sort of 
you know, self-inflicted wounds, but more make sure you are a great people leader and you understand your people, introvert, extrovert, characteristics they bring to the table and yeah. help them flourish. And don't wait for your boss to tell you. Right. Do right. it. Right. Yeah. Just do it. Um, I love this uh, question and uh, I'm going to get at a few of them. Uh, how do we get men more involved in these conversations? Um, you know, I think, you know, I love that great um, hashtag he for she movement. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I, I think I think today it only makes good business sense. And I think the more we talk about the advantages of a great diverse you know, workforce, and that's, you know, whether it's women, whether it's, you know, people of different backgrounds, I think businesses are learning that, you know, you, you run your business best when you can tap into the world around you. You can only tap into mm-hmm. the world around you if you're reflective of that world. Mm-hmm. And so I think getting people into the conversation that wouldn't have been in there before because it wasn't in their best interest, or suddenly it is in their best interest because businesses that are doing really well are those that are adapting to this change and really and really embracing the fact that you need a diverse set of perspectives around the table to run your business in the best way that it can be run. And those that don't are not doing so well. And you're starting to see that, that those that have resisted change, those that are resisting technology, you know, that the world is moving beyond them. And so I think, you know, getting men into the conversation is easier when they're smart <laughs> and there's a lot of good smart men out there and they're now seeing the those those that were a little harder to convince are now seeing the the ROI on uh, on doing this. I want to merge a couple questions. Uh, to me ultimately the book big picture is about talent and really being your best and making sure that you achieve your full potential. Um, what's what are a couple key characteristics you believe every leader should possess? And what are a couple of key things you think every organization should be doing for men and women to be able to fully contribute? I always said that, and again, leadership happens at different levels. You don't have to be at the top to be a leader. And I think sometimes, too, particularly as women, we feel like um, there's a there's a lot of pressure on women who are are performing at certain levels to get to that president level or get to that seat. You, know, you haven't succeeded unless you check off that box. And I think you have to, again, get over the fact that you can lead at lots of levels. You don't necessarily need the title the title to lead. But at the same time, the, the opportunities that we have out there are are so many. Like when you think about, um, you know, just, just a few years ago, we didn't have these opportunities that are here today. So when you, you know, the, 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 the chances that we have ahead of us are so many. Um, I think that's I think that's the, that's the opportunity for us. And for organizations. For then? organizations, well, like, I think when you think of yourself as a leader, I always think of three three things. First of all, leaders are you know they no matter what level you are, you're setting the vision, right? You're setting a vision. You're getting people to come in on your vision. You're secondly clearing the table. You are the clearing the table pathway, giving people the tools in which they need in order to get the job done. Hiring the best team around you, and lastly. You're getting out of the way. Like the best thing you can do as a leader is to let the team work at its at its highest highest level at its greatest capacity. And sometimes that means as a leader you're stepping out of the way. And so I think the same thing is is true for organizations too. We have we the structures uh, that need to morph and change today are to allow more diversity of voice, and that means not just in how we look and how we act, but it, at different levels. And I think they understand now this old sense of hierarchy is something that we need to move past because you can't you know the the, the information sometimes the best information is six levels down from you. 
Right. So to tap into that is incredibly important. So I think we need, and I see it in a lot of the businesses that I work in today at Twitter, uh, at, at, at some of our contemporaries, where there is an openness and transparency to work that hadn't been there in the past. There isn't that same sense of, there is a hierarchy, but there's not that same sense of hierarchical structure. You, you have more opportunity to contribute no matter what level you're at because there is an openness to listening to different levels. And I think that's what's important to change today is, is again, tapping into that where leadership can happen at any level then take advantage of the fact that you've got incredibly smart people uh, all through your organization. And would you give similar advice to a 60-year-old and a 30-year-old? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. I, okay. <laughs> no, it seems diversity like a diversity. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, and I think sometimes the challenge, the, the interesting thing is after you know writing this book and giving the talks that I give, it's it's quite often it's the 50-something-year-old woman who will come up to me and say, I think I'm actually being discriminated against now more than ever. Like the 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 the, the changes as you move through your career and as your life. Uh, moves, I think uh, women as they get older have a, a set, different set of challenges that come mm-hmm. up uh, against them. So you've already had enough challenges as it is, and now you finally get to a place where you're in your 50s, you think you should be able to relax, and suddenly you actually have a whole other set of challenges ahead of you. And so I think, you know, we, we need to recognize that, and I talk about it in the book around, for example, when I joined the CBC, I think a lot of people expected when I took, took over the larger role that I would just kind of like clear shop and start over again. And you know, there's huge benefit in the people that are there and work experience and work life and and that openness of the ability to be able to talk mm-hmm. between generations is, is important too. And I think when I see millennials and Generation Z coming in, I think they're more open to talking all the way through. I don't think they see as much generations as, as we did. And I think that's a great opportunity. I think we need to, to tap into the tap into the experience of people who've been there before and to pick up the energy of the people who are new into the organization and mix those together, and that's a great combination. For people in the room, other than read the book, what's the piece of advice you would leave them when they leave this room to make a difference? Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. You know, in the in the end, like I think we we spend a lot of hours at work, and uh, work is not our life, but and yet it is. Uh, and technology has freed us in a way and has also kind of, you know, ruled us in a way that changes the way that we work. And so you're, you're working a lot more than you ever used to. You're working a lot more than generations before have ever. And we will continue, I think, on this path for a while. So you may as well enjoy it. And I think sometimes we get in our own way when we are concerned too much about the fact that we're trying to do something and maybe we shouldn't be, maybe we shouldn't be here. You're, you're there for a reason, and you've earned it. Enjoy it. That's great advice. Um, I love the book. Thank I think you. it was a great read, and thank you very much for writing it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Hello, and uh, I'm Helen Burston. And I'm a past president of the Canadian Club. And it's my pleasure and honor to thank our two guests today. I know these two women very well, and I admire them greatly. Uh, Kirsten, on behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, I want to thank you for writing this very thoughtful book to begin with, and uh, also for sharing its wisdom with us today. You offer a very optimistic, and I think also a realistic, view of how women are particularly well-suited for business leadership in a digital world. And only a handful of women 
have joined the ranks of technology leaders, and you are certainly one of them. It's, uh, you've given us good reason to believe, though, that more women are poised to achieve career success in a field where strong interpersonal skills and emotional intelligence are key business assets. So thank you for giving all of us, women and men, the example of your leadership to follow. And Alex Johnston, I want to thank you for your leadership of Catalyst Canada, first of all. You're doing a wonderful job there. But you've also climbed your share of corporate and government ladders, and uh, you set an example of your own that I think we're pleased to uh, learn from and follow. And I know you share Kirsten's belief in the power and potential of women to be leaders in all walks of work and life. We appreciate also the wonderful way that you've engaged in conversation today, and thank you so much for giving us so much to think about and believe in. Wonderful. Thank you, Helen. I'd like to echo her sentiments. And one of the things that I enjoy at being the president of the Canadian Club is I get to participate in great events like this and great hear, hear great conversations. And I also get a chance to reflect a bit briefly about these issues, the importance of them, and where, we're, where we were, where we're at, and where we're going to be. And as a lawyer, I studied um, early in law school a case. It was called the Persons case in 1928. Canada's famous five women brought this case forward at that time. And the issue was whether women were persons uh, and qualified to serve in the Senate. So they went to the Supreme Court of Canada and they lost. At that time they had to go to the Privy Council in the UK and won there and became eligible to sit in the Senate. So I think of where we are. Today we would beg qualified women to sit in the Senate. <laughs> the Supreme Court of Canada, the Chief Justice that sits there in that position today is a woman. And then as we look forward into the future, for all of our children, for my daughters, our daughters, and for this generation with leadership like Kirsten and Alex, of course, what we hope to see, because the ROI is there, is more and more women sitting in the seats of chief executive officers of the best corporations in North America looking into the future. So thank you very much. So once again, I would like to take the opportunity to thank Ernst & Young and Accenture for their generous sponsorship of our event. And before we close, I would like to ask you one more time to take a minute and fill out these comment cards and give us your feedback on your experience here at our event. We're always looking forward to your insights on how we can improve our program. And on that note, that concludes today's program. And we would like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, and VVC for live streaming of today's event. And to learn more about the club, again, visit www.canadianclub.org. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you, Alex. This meeting is now adjourned. Good afternoon. <laughs>